This is Marriage to the Max, episode 100. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Well, hello, hello, hello. Hello, Brett Hurst. Hi, this is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, let's be about it. Hey, we got to stop for a moment and say it's our 100th episode. All right. This is a milestone. That's a big deal. If I had some sound effects, I would insert them right here. Didn't take very long, did it? It took us seven and a half years. That's a little long. <laughs> yeah, you could. We're, so we'll, we'll dub ourselves the slowest growing podcast ever. Well, we were quite busy. I know. We have been very busy. but And I comfort myself in saying maybe we don't have a lot of episodes, but the quality, I think, is pretty good. The content is good. I'll go along with that. We'll pat ourselves on the back since we're so slow at it. Okay. So before we jump into today's topic, I want to give a tip of the day, a resource, a book to recommend. It is called The Control Freak by Les Parrott. P-A-R-R-O-T-T. I resemble that title. We have recommended a lot of books in the past by Les and Leslie Parrott. They are great marriage educators. Mm -hmm. And so the book, The Control Freak, has a lot to do with today's topic. This episode is called, Are You a Control Geek? Control Geek? Yeah. Not Control Freak? Yeah, because I think Control Freak's, Freak's been overused. I like Control Geek. You're being a geek about being controlling? Yeah. Because geek means like you're into it. I'm going to resist <laughs> controlling the title of this episode. Thank you. Okay, well, before we jump in, let me give some introductory questions for our listeners to mull over okay, as we right. talk about today's topic. Okay, right. one is, have you ever known a controlling person? Never. I think every one of us could say yes, Brett Hurst. You've, kn- you've known a controlling person. Oh, You're yeah. married to a semi-controlling person, no but comment. not really. No comment. Has anyone ever told you that you are a controlling person? Never. You have to say yes. Don't lie. Is being controlling necessarily a bad thing? Never. Wow. Is that how this episode is going to go? You're just going to live in denial the entire time? I'm here. Is it possible to be controlling without being aware of it? Evidently. I think that's very true. And finally, are there degrees of controlling behavior? I think so. Yeah, because I think there are people who are a little bit controlling, like where they want to eat at a restaurant. In fact, it reminds me of a story that my mom and sister and I laugh at to this day. Several years ago, we were sitting around having a conversation on my sister's birthday. We were getting ready to go to her birthday lunch. And somehow the topic of being controlling came up and my mom's like, I know I'm controlling. I I know I'm a control freak. And my sister and I are like, yeah, you kind of are. Like we were, talking, we were talking about it in a funny way, but it was just this hilarious conversation. She's a lovely woman. She's I adore my mom. And so she's like kind of going, talking. She goes, I don't really know why I'm that way. And we were kind of exploring it and laughing about it. Talked about it for like an hour. And then we get up to take my sister to lunch. I said, well, where do you want to go? 
for your lunch, for your birthday. And my sister says the place that she wants to go. And my mom just goes, oh, I can't stand that place. I want to go somewhere else. And we just looked at her like, are you kidding? We just talked about you being controlling for like an hour. So sure, we all want things our way. Yeah. But sometimes we get to the place where we can't have it any other way. Because we're controlling. Yeah. Or we don't even allow others to have an opinion. Or if they try to do something and it's not up to our standards, we take over or tell them what to do or even do it ourselves. Yikes. And when this kind of behavior gets ingrained, then it's shifted to a dangerous level and we are really a control geek. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But but control geek sounds like you're studying controlling and... Well, a lot of control. Here's the bottom line. My I'm job. Myself. My job. I'm demonstrate how controlling I am. Listen to me. My job is to come up with cute episode titles. It is a cute title. And if I just put control freak, everyone says that. Right. I liked control geek because I thought it was a little spin on the. So get over yourself, Brett Hurst. Most of us control freaks are not self-aware, though. There. Wow. Bingo. <laughs> so we could stop right here and just call it a day. All right. The, so here's the, the pot calling the kettle. Here's the gem that we need to really focus on. And it is this there is a reason behind controlling behavior that is very important to understand, especially if you want to change the behavior. Oh, I do. In fact, until you fully understand how much this one emotion affects you, you will probably continue to try to control things around you. And that's just a losing proposition. All right. So what's the emotion? The one emotion is, are you ready for it? I'm ready. Da, 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 fear. 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 That's the emotion behind, typically, controlling behavior. Hmm. But this is interesting. I'll buy that. The fear comes from one of two places, or maybe both of these places. One is just a general fear of being out of control. Okay. So... The fear of not being able to control the environment or things spinning out in ways that you don't want them to, or feeling of inability to move things in the directions that you want. It's just kind of a general, I need to have things in control. That's kind of one description. The other description of fear or the second type is kind of a close cousin. So wait, in the first example, that's... When people just, their temperament is kind of aligned that way, you think? Yeah, or just maybe there were some life experiences that sort of, you know, maybe they grew up with uh, some things out of control, Mm. and so it makes them feel more grounded. Trying to compensate for that lack of control. Yeah, a little bit. But it's it's more of a general thing. Mm. The other fear that is very kind of close cousin to this is feeling a fear that you will not get what you think you need. Okay. So when we're afraid that we're not going to get what we need, we develop a scarcity mindset, Hmm. and then we try to control situations in an attempt to get what we need. I think I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, kind of when I looked at that, it made a lot of sense to me because I think that's probably more common than people want to admit is this fear of, I'm not going to get what I need. So let me control things so I can get, and that can look very selfish, very controlling, very self-centered, and it it kind of is. Mm -hmm. But when we look at it as coming from a fear of not getting what someone needs, then we can have a little more compassion around it, I think. 
Okay. That's kind of where, where I'm trying to get with this. But it's, it, but it's still controlling. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, but just kind of recognizing what's underneath that control. Fear, whether we are aware of it or not, is at the root of being controlling. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. And so that fear, of course, can cause problems in a relationship. Because in the midst of trying to get what we want, we are probably affecting what somebody else wants in a negative way. And anytime there's fear in a a relationship, you're moving back to your self-protective devices. Exactly. And I want to be clear at this point and say control is a complete illusion anyway. That is true. It doesn't work. It's not effective. That is true. It only creates resentment on the part of those around us. Mm -hmm. And creates bitterness on the part of the person who's trying to control things Yeah, because you can't function through life that way. Yeah. Trying to control a spouse or a child or a situation. It's just a recipe for failure. Mm -hmm. It's a recipe for misery. And and like you said, not just yours, but everyone else's around you. Mm -hmm. So over time, controlling behavior causes resentment on the part of the person who is being controlled. Right. And over time, it also forces the person who is controlling to have to always be right and always be responsible. And in that setup, everybody kind of loses. And when you have to always be right, it is exhausting. Yes, indeed. So in a marriage, and which is what we're talking about today, when there's a controlling person or there's controlling behavior, then it makes sense that the other person has to sort of allow him or herself to be controlled. Unless they're both controlling. Yeah. And and so the, the couple t- sent, sets up this dynamic of control, controlling between them. Mm-hmm. And over time, it starts to eat away at the relationship. And Brett, you and I have sat down with enough couples now right. to know that th- that over time, this just doesn't, nobody wins right. when someone there's no, is- There's no payoff. Yeah. There's, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, you're fine. But it just, it, it doesn't, it, I think there are couples who can sort of coast through this controlling thing for a while, mm-hmm. but eventually the resentment builds up. And, you know, what often comes out of these relationships is kind of this parent-child dynamic mm-hmm. between two spouses, which you know, you don't want well, we've between said, two adults. Right. We've said for years, nobody likes to be micromanaged. Right. Nobody does. But- and nobody likes to be macromanaged. Yeah. You know, <laughs> very few of us like to be managed at all. But That's true. But it is a good thing to invite each other to um, speak into each, speak into one another's lives. But uh, if you do it in a way that's demanding and insistent and impatient and mm-hmm. inconsiderate and disrespectful and all those types of things. That's yeah. A, and like speaking said, into, yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and speaking into each other's lives as equals looks very, very different right. than speaking to each other's lives where one person's controlling and the other person's kind of the. So true. Yeah. So in a parent child relationship, eventually that child is going to hit the teenage years mm-hmm. And suddenly then you have a rebellious spouse, which sounds kind of funny, but someone's going to pu- eventually push back on that. You have a rebellious spouse? You, you mean know, a rebellious words, teenager? The person who's acting like the child in the relationship oh. who's allowing them to be controlled. I follow you. They're going to hit the teenage years one day and oh, go, okay. hey, enough Fig- of this. Figuratively speaking. Exactly. Right. Okay. So I just want to say again, the controlled, controlling relationship is not about a 
we relationship, mm-hmm. W-E. It's about a you and me relationship mm-hmm. where one person's opinion is lost to the other one, and that's when the real harm you know, right. really sets in. Yeah, th- this whole discussion is kind of parallel to the point system uh, that we've talked about that's not beneficial to a relationship when you're competitively keeping score or mm-hmm. or you you keep up with who's ahead on chores or responsibilities around the house mm-hmm. instead of going into all of these conversations with a selfless mindset. Yeah. We're not selfless by nature, mm-hmm. but if we yield ourselves to God's strength and to grace, then we can walk in selflessness. We can right. we can do things that we're not naturally wired to do. Yeah. No, that's that's a great point. Well, if you think you might be a control geek, here are some ways to course correct. I'm sorry. I'm still <laughs> struggling with control geek. <laughs> you're a control geek because you're you're the person who's studying this art of being controlling. Well, in the spirit, and you've had a lot of practice because you've been married to me your whole in life. In the spirit of the show, the TV show, Freaks and Geeks, we'll just call it a wash. Okay. Okay. Uh, number one, notice the times that you feel the need to take over. So now we're talking to people who think they might, maybe they've been told by someone they love that they're controlling, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're starting to kind of recognize it. These are some things you can course correct. Notice the times that you feel the need to take over. Mm. Notice the times when you either coach someone or coax someone to do something your way. Mm. Um, Acknowledge that fear is what's driving it. And then consider what the fear might be about. What feels at risk? What feels scarcity? What could be below the surface of why I'm trying to nitpick this or control this or have my way mm-hmm. in this? And then notice that the behavior is truly worthless, not effective, and damaging to your partner. That's true. Yeah. I think... <laughs> <laughs> think about when I'm a control freak. Yeah, it could be fear, or it could just be that I'm obnoxious or <laughs> arrogant. <laughs> I think it. I think below the surface, it almost always goes to fear. Yeah, I don't. Right. I don't think people are. Well, I'm not very self-aware. So. I don't think people are are um, aware of it because you got to do a little bit of digging. Mm-hmm. But I think there's an like. First, I'll just say, so when you do act a little controlling, and Ooh. it's typically over Ooh, like, me? yeah. Did you just call me controlling? Listen to me. It's it's typically over things like <laughs> deadlines, like like you're, you get in a mode right. of like, we got to get our taxes done, da, 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 da. Right. Well, it's my natural temperament. Yeah. I, I, I'm not excusing controlling no, behavior. No, but what I'm but saying that's... is you, what'll happen is your anxiety will ramp up that's a true. bit. So it's fear-driven, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah, and because you're worried about something. You're worried about missing a deadline. You're worried about right. us not doing it right or something. Yeah, I got drilled in my head early to be on time. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, so that's what I'm saying is I think if everyone dug, there's something at, at pulling on that little fear mm-hmm. string. Right. Um. So something else to be start trying to think about course correcting is to be mindful of your interactions and to start identifying when you become controlling and who do you become controlling with? Because I think you can start to recognize a pattern of controlling behavior. So for instance, Brett, you and I have known a lot of couples where the controlling person in the relationship 
doesn't act controlling at all at work mm-hmm. with their colleagues or their bosses or employees. In that environment, they're yeah. not controlling. But they come home and, and they're, they're very controlling. controlling with their spouse or kids. Mm-hmm. And so what is happening there mm-hmm. that creates that pattern of there are certain people I'm controlling with? Right. You know, and and what is that about? Well, maybe at work they're controlled and so they want some equal time to be controlling. I yeah, don't know. that's true. As you notice these moments, you'll start to become more mindful of the response that it elicits in you. Mm. And you can start to change your response to a more conscious way of responding to the people that you love. Because I don't think typically, unless someone's just a psychopath, (laughs) I don't think people who are controlling don't love their spouses or don't love their kids. They just have this way of behaving that they've always done. Right. And, and unless they start to change it themselves, mm-hmm. no one's, you can't change someone else's behavior, you know? Yeah. And speaking for controlling people around the world. <laughs> That's what you're doing? M- m- <laughs> most of us are not self-aware of that controlling behavior. <laughs> and a lot of times it's because just by the sheer force of that personality, I'm talking about people that naturally have that temperament. Yeah. There's sometimes that has not been called into check by people in their circle. True. So they've kind of functioned in that way, like, hey, this is just who I am. Yeah, that's a good point. People who are kind of have a, uh, I'll just say bossy, I don't mean they're always negative, but people who are just always in charge, they're just always kind of like the person who makes the decisions. A lot of people around them may just always let them do that. Right. Well, and because who wants the alternative? Mm -hmm. Who wants to call try to call into accountability somebody who's controlling oh, it usually true. does not go well <laughs> okay something else to think about is to begin to develop your emotional awareness for a lot of us when we are fearful or anxious we stop noticing our emotions and we start acting on our emotions mm-hmm. right but you'll find that if you just learn to sit with your emotions and not react to them right away uh-huh. they're not dangerous They're not going to kill you. Nothing's going to happen. And then you can choose to act or react to the emotion. I I learned this when, and I don't know how much we've talked about on this podcast about my fear of flying stuff, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've mentioned it. Mm -hmm. But I took a fear of flying course, and at some point we'll probably like recommend that on the podcast because I I really want to give a lot of love to that course that I took. But one of the things that I've learned along the way is that when you're on a plane and whether this is that that's where my source of anxiety is is mm-hmm. when i fly typically but this could be anything for anybody sure. um but when when i'm on a plane when i feel turbulence those are typically the moments when my you know amygdala kind of Kicks goes into, crazy yeah. and i have th- those moments of anxiety mm-hmm. well the director of this program that i took talked how important it is to not add to a situation or subtract from a situation. Mm. In other words, fe- you know, fearful flyers tend to have a wild imagination. Mm-hmm. So they tend to catastrophize yes. even further. Because they feel bumps on a plane and they say, we're going down. Mm-hmm. But the other way is not helpful either, mm-hmm. to act like nothing's happening. Because then they're not being true to their and they're not emotions. Living, they're not living in the present experience. Right. And so that has done a lot for me. I'll literally be on a plane. And when I'm feeling anxious, I will remind myself, don't add to this story and mm-hmm. don't subtract to this story. Mm-hmm. This just is what it is. And that, for me, that's been a really great help in learning to sit with your emotions mm-hmm. and not 
immediately act on them, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of controlling people do, mm-hmm. is they they have a moment of anxiety or they have a moment of something that's that's stirring them up, and they just want to move on it. Right. Whereas I think emotional awareness is not so much about changing your emotions, but it's just realizing the emotions as they are. Mm-hmm. So, so what I hear you saying with a lot of controlling people, it's their temperament. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. They're driven. Mm-hmm. They're, they kind of have that one gear of let's go and let's go fast. Mm-hmm. And so sitting still is just not something they're good at. Right, usually. But it doesn't mean they can't good can't get good at it. Yeah. I mean, I th- don't you think, now that I'm older, that I have learned how to be a little bit more reflective? Much more. Well, thank you. Much more. Because when you were a young guy, you were just kind of a act on, you were an initial act kind of person. Mm-hmm. Whatever hit your brain, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to say. Let's get it done. And let's, let's get it done yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Right. But as you've gotten older and realized that that doesn't typically. It's not a win. People yeah. along with you. It's not a win. <laughs> <laughs> now, and you understand that people are different and mm-hmm. people need to, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there's there's real value, and this ha- has way greater benefits than just talking about controlling personalities. Right, right. The learning to be emotionally aware is a huge gift because we're always getting stirred up by something. Right. You know, you could be in a staff meeting at work and someone says something and it triggers you to feel less than or triggers you to feel like, oh, I got to step it up or whatever. Right. And more times than not, if we'll just sit for a moment Mm -hmm. and let those emotions just sort of be what they are, Mm -hmm. they're not going to kill us. They're not going to hurt us. We don't have to catastrophize. Yeah. So for people that aren't naturally, that they don't naturally have that temperament of being driven, let's say other personality types that have controlling moments in certain situations. You with me that far? Yes. Okay. So not a driven person, but still a control freak Yeah. within their type of personality. Uh-huh. It's still what you're saying that the whole thing of sitting still, being reflective, getting to know yourself, not, not that that's the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. the, but having enough self-awareness and even letting God speak into your heart and mind, mm-hmm. you know, is is beneficial because then you can figure out what are those fearful things, as you said, mm-hmm. that can keep you locked into branching out. And, you know, instead of tightening your control, how yeah. can you release that, surrender that and live and walk more freely? Yeah, because we have the choice to choose how we respond to something. Mm-hmm. And just because we've always done it one way, right, doesn't mean we can't change. Yeah, we and certainly correct. Sorry, we certainly don't have the choice to pick and choose what events happen in our lives. Exactly, that is beyond our control. Absolutely. But like you said, we can condition ourselves to behave, to react a certain way. Yeah, you. And can it, but it takes practice. Yeah, you can choose your response. And I don't know that that's taught to everyone mm-hmm. when we're growing up. Right. Well, I think we're more taught, this is just the way I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love me as I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the Bible talks about self-control. Absolutely. And everybody needs to yeah. desire to be mature in that regard, to, be, to, to have self-control. Yeah, exactly. It, well, I always remind people, you'll never see the term others control. Right. Only self-control. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. The irony about self-control, though, for my money, is the only way I can be living in a lifestyle of self-control is to turn control over to God. Mm-hmm. That Otherwise, I'm going to take that control back. Yeah. So rather than having self-control, I'm going to be trying to have myself in control. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Something else to think about is to start getting away from the assumption that there is always a wrong way and a right way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Brett, bi- the binary thing. Yeah, Brett, it's either you this a lot or that. This binary thinking doesn't leave a lot of room for exploration. Mm-hmm. It doesn't leave a lot of room for emotional growth, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Be open to other possibilities, other potentials. Mm-hmm. Richard Carlson, who's the author of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, was famous for saying that you can either be happy or you can be right, but you can't be both. Hmm. Right. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you can be both, <laughs> but seldom. Sometimes. And I think being open to possibilities can, I don't know, it opens up to happiness. Mm-hmm. I, I just really believe that. Mm-hmm. Being around someone who's always black and white, always right or wrong thinking, mm-hmm. for me, that's exhausting, being around someone who's like that. Well, the big danger of people that function in that realm is... They think they have picked the right side. Exactly. And it may not be that easy. That's interesting. I've never really thought about that. People who are binary thinkers always think they're on the right side. Well, you hear in our political discussions without getting off into all that, that people use this phrase on both sides of the aisle, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Right. Well, history is still unfolding. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, correct. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. (laughs) And then lastly, we want to say, don't go from being controlling to suddenly giving up all control because that's not fair to your partner either. Right. You know, we say a lot of times, you know, health is somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. It's, It's where both people are responsible, both people make decisions, both people share perspectives. Mm hmm. And to go from all or nothing is rarely the answer, you right. know. Good so point. controlling behavior comes from fear, but it's a fear that's unwarranted and, and it's not uh, useful. The threat is not usually real, nor will catastrophe, you know, fall on you when people are trying to control situations. We just say today is the day to give up your control and come to a new relationship of equality with your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's time to start living like a we and instead of a you and me. I know you're wrapping up, but that that whole concept of catastrophizing your situation and mm-hmm. your reality uh, in general is very detrimental. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just... Just ramp- in life, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just ramps up your situation. Mm-hmm. Not to minimize certain situations as being vitally important or in a critical state. Yeah. Uh, certainly we... Serious situations. Yeah, certainly we talk a lot and we're with couples that are genuinely in critical state in their marriage and mm-hmm. they need to, to respond to mm-hmm. that and move in a different direction. But so often we have in our own little brains and our own little TV screens in our heads, you know, the way we think life is and Mm -hmm. that tendency to catastrophize our current situation only adds to the problem. It doesn't Mm -hmm. help get you going in a better direction. No, that, that is, it comes up all the time in our discussions with couples and individuals. Yeah. We, we tend to be worriers for sure, but it's, it's just not a helpful position to be in. So today's the day to give up 
your control, my control. Yes. Since I'm the... <laughs> our control. <laughs> our control. We both have our moments. <laughs> well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. Uh, we also hope you'll follow us on Marriage to the Max on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or a question that you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, please send us an email to thehursts at homeencouragement.org, and we'll do our best to get it on the air. And we hope that you will share the love by rating us on Apple Podcasts. And please, please, please write a review. We really need to up our reviews, and that really helps us to have more visibility in the podcast world. And I'd like to give a special shout out to Podcast Rocket for editing and mixing this episode. Thank you, Podcast Rocket. Well, thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.